Hello and welcome to another episode of the Focus Seedcast. I'm your host, Corey, aka Focus, and today I'm talking with Andrew of Dungeon Valley Cannabis and Dungeon Valley Kitchen on Instagram. Andrew and I do a deep dive on cooking with a focus on using vegetables and herbs from the garden. We cover some easy veggies to grow and cook, as well as some of our favorite recipes, cooking techniques, and methods of preserving the harvest. Hopefully this episode will inspire the new and experienced cook alike. Without any delay, let's get into the episode. So how you doing, Andrew? I'm good, man. It's good to be here. Yeah. So um, I thought you could tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, why why we're talking with you today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name's Andrew. I go by Dungeon Valley Cannabis in the Dungeon Valley Kitchen on Instagram. Um, I... I'm pretty new to the whole like homesteading, farming, gardening thing. So th- this is pretty cool for me. Um, I've been a cook. It's like been the, the only type of job that I've had pretty much since I was like 15 or 16 outside to some like random landscaping stuff. So I've always loved food. I've always come at food as sort of like a, an experience, you know, a way to express myself. And as I got older, I just had a kid two years ago and, it kind of made me realize like food isn't just a way to make money, but like there's so much more involved in it and what goes on behind the scenes for food. And so kind of after the first few months of being a dad, my mom, my wife and I looked at each other. We're just like, this restaurant stuff isn't working. My wife was like, honestly, you've been talking about wanting to grow stuff. She's like, do it. Stay at home, watch our kid and grow stuff. And that's what I've done for the last two years as we kind of work our way towards eventually the, the five acre homestead and not having to go to like Hannaford. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you're up in uh, Maine, right? Yep. We live in, uh, I live in Bangor. A lot of people would call that Northern Maine. Um, it's not, it's the center of the state. There's just not much else past us, but okay. <laughs> I love it here. It's a, it's a really strong farming community. Um, the University of Maine is like two towns over. It's a big R1 research school. There's a lot of agricultural research and stuff happening there. And it's a really cool spot. There's a lot of farmland. There's a lot of just people minding their own business and kind of living outside of what a lot of everybody else is doing as you go further south from where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I have, uh, I have a buddy who used to live up in Maine. Um, and then I have friends who are like pretty you know, in New Hampshire and Vermont. So more of that Northern New England. Um, I'm a little bit more South, so it's a, a different. It's different a whole vibe. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Mass originally. Like I grew up in Massachusetts until like my sophomore, just before my sophomore year of high school. And I moved up to Southern Maine. And like each year, I've each time I've moved, I've just gone progressively more North. And uh, there's no way in hell I'm going South now. Like, I'm like, all right, let's keep going up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so today we're going to talk about some cooking, food preparation, some fermenting. Um, it's one of the most re- like requested subjects that I keep getting from people. And I think when people start gardening, that's one of the hardest things that they have to deal with is like, okay, I I've finally gotten decent at gardening. Like now what do I do with everything? You know, it's, it's, you know, the first year, you know, a lot of stuff kind of goes sideways, you know, end up with a lot of veggies, but then you have that bumper, that bumper year. And now, now you're swimming them and, you know, yeah, you're like, what do I do? I've got 18 pounds of tomatoes and like all this other stuff and I don't want it to go bad. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. No, yeah. I think it's kind of interesting for me because I came at it from the opposite of that standpoint. 
I came into this with like, all right, I know what I'm going to do with the food. I have all these crazy ideas for the food, but I have no blessed clue how to garden. And so now we're at the point of, in my second year, I've done pretty well. I've done pretty well. I've, you know, fingers crossed I've yet to totally screw up any harvests, but it's been interesting to see the depth at which people take things with their food and how to store it long-term. There's been a lot of great resources that I've found just reading, like you said, canning and fermenting and just some people that I've met that like, like I got a friend, Sarah, who she cans like crazy. She's like, see on, on Facebook, she's like, oh, I just canned up 14 cans of like beef stew, be all set for the winter. And I'm just like, yo, that's dope. That's food for a long, like you're ready for that. That's fresh food you can just pull out. So it's, I get why people are requesting it. We live in a time when like we, food as a resource is becoming a lot, a lot harder to get quality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's easy to get food, but it's not easy to get good food unless you're willing to put the time in for it. Yeah. Yeah. And like my, my problem too, is I, I can do the preparation and stuff, but I don't have time because I'm, I'm trying to run the whole growing operation and, and do my business. And so it's like, it's, it's really hard to also like, it's basically a full-time job too, to do all the preparation. If you're going to go, I mean, if you're going to go hard and really uh, yeah, stock wanna, up like, stuff, but if you want to prepare for like the, the apocalypse and you want to have your bomb shelter pantry, like lined with the, the hundred cans or whatever. Yeah. It's definitely a full-time job. I mean, it's, I mean, just making meals every day can be a full-time job depending on what you want to do with it. So I totally understand when people say that they don't have time. That's yeah. It's definitely hard. Yeah. So I thought what we could do then would be to like go over maybe a couple simple recipes and like some cooking techniques. But to start with, since you're a new gardener, what have been like the easiest things for you to grow and incorporate into your like daily meals and cooking? Uh, off top, tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. So many tomatoes. Um, I grew out four different varieties. I've got five five different varieties this year, and I did a I did a bunch of cherry tomatoes last year, and I mean it's kind of funny like the cherry tomatoes last year. They uh, my daughter who had just turned one in August of last summer, she was eating them before, off the the plants before I could even like, cook with them. So she like ransacked my five tomato plants last year, and I was like, okay, so we need to do more of these next year. But tomatoes for sure are super easy to get into anything because you can. And tomatoes can be added into so many different things. Um, yeah. The first thing I always think of. Yeah, no, I know. I I agree with that. Like even, even for dinner tonight, I had some leftover like ground beef and I just sauteed like, you know, I just threw a tomato in there with, with the already made ground beef and just a couple eggs with some cheese on top. And that was dinner. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's delicious. It's fire. Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I happened to have like, one I, I grew brandy one pinks this this year and i haven't had one like just finishing up ripening today and i was like we had cheeseburgers tonight and i was like oh snap i'll go grab the, the tomato off the vine i'll throw that in the burgers boom you know it's a little stuff like that even there just throwing it into stuff that's what i found that has been really easy food that i can throw into things as well as that has the possibility of long-term like longer term storage yeah like um yeah. Tomato sauce. I like tomato sauce a lot. That's a huge one. Okay, cool. Maybe we'll do uh, after we're done with this part. We'll do like a little little sauce recipe or maybe something. Because sure. I know that's something people ask me about too. But yeah, uh, definitely tomatoes. Totally agree with that. And they're not too difficult to grow. 
and also too for people who are growing in like containers and stuff there's a lot of good like dwarf tomato varieties that are coming out so you know you don't have to have this huge sprawling tomato plant either you know it could have a small cherry cherry tomato plant no, in like a 10 gallon pot or something so yeah i mean i was experimenting a little bit this year because i was a little late on some of my seed setting i've got a bunch of like cherry tomatoes just in one gallon pots just kind of sitting on the porch seeing what'll happen like i'm getting fruit so yeah. like it's it's super cool if you, you don't even need that much space for it yeah uh definitely another thing are like lettuces and greens baby greens kale uh Yep. you know arugula collards mustards that's another thing too like just just cutting it throwing it in a salad um and yep. i personally don't eat a lot of salad i i like my greens cooked it's like i'm not like a nice head of lettuce if it's like a butterhead or a bib is great but you know generally yep. like i'm not eating kale raw. <laughs> no but, no i 100 percent agree with that it's got to be you sauteed up a little salt pepper garlic a little bit of lemon on point I love arugula. I did arugula last year. That was like the first salad green I really did besides kale. Bugs got to it a little bit. They had looking like Swiss cheese a little bit, but it tasted yeah, great. We uh we threw that on sandwiches and stuff like that. We did it raw on sandwiches. Um, and that's also another good one that you can toss in with the kale and saute it. Like I like the I like veggies that are really dual purpose like that. And a lot of the greens can go that way. Spinaches, arugula, kale. I haven't done much lettuce, but I did try some cabbage last year and that was cool. I made coleslaw with my own cabbage and that was like a whole vibe. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I always make a couple batches of uh, sauerkraut every year. Um, like the, f the fermented food is, is such a good thing to have around for, for gut health and, and it's yep. simple preservation. So I actually have a sauerkraut recipe, which we'll, I'll talk about later as well. Um, so yeah, that's dope. I've, I've just been getting big into the fermented food. My wife's pregnant and she's been trying to change up her whole diet and she, we've been big hard on the, on the, the fermented food. I want to try I want to try and make kimchi coming up yep. soon. Grab some, uh, some of the last few cabbages from the farmer's market tomorrow. Try to do some kimchi. Yeah. I made kimchi for uh, years. I would do the recipe, but, um, my, my brother-in-law, who's a chef taught it to me. So it's like a little, oh, yeah, uh, you can't be throwing out his recipes like that. No, sir. yeah. Well, it's just that he, he was just like, this is basically what you do. And just like, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like every year I wing it and it's a little different. So I don't know if I want to like, and it's kind of a little bit complicated too. Uh, a good place to start is sauerkraut because kimchi is like, it, it's not overly complicated, but you're dealing with more ingredients and like yep. a lot of people get really turned off from the smell. Like my wife, like she'll eat it but like if i'm like making it or I have a jar open she like the smell like she can't deal with it so uh, yeah it's a little it's a little bit more funkier than uh something like sauerkraut so no uh, um, that's definitely true i've definitely like trying to talk, talk to people about recipes like oh dude that's that's a lot of ingredients like i don't know about that my wife was like that for a while when we first started dating i'd be like oh i'm gonna make this thing and she'd be like i don't know it sounds like you're doing a lot but Sometimes starting small is good. And a solid sauerkraut is super, like, viable. You can do so many things with sauerkraut that, like, people don't. I feel like it's underrated in America. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that, too, then. Um, yeah, and then another thing I think is great is just kind of, like, pepper crops and simple pepper crops either. Like, yeah. people shouldn't – I don't think, like, people should really start with bell peppers. Um, bell peppers are hard. Yeah. I mean, I think people expect like these nice, big, giant red peppers and especially in more Northern climates, it's, it's a little bit, it's not impossible and you can do it, but 
I tell people start with like a, a more compact variety and something that's going to have like a lot of smaller fruits. So if you like hot peppers, like go with the jalapeno. Um, it's they're going to be a little bit easier to grow. And then for sweet peppers, like shishitos, I like I love shishito peppers. They're easy to cook up. You can blister them. You can even eat them raw because they're they're tender enough. You know, there's not a ton of seed in them, so you can deseed them pretty quick. But yeah, I think those are two two great varieties of peppers to start with. No, I 100% agree with that. I did um I did jalapenos and cayennes last year, and they did great. I did them in I did some in beds, and I did some in some five gallon pots, and they did fantastic. I did shishitos this year, and those are probably my best my best thing in my garden this year. The shishitos they grew like crazy. I tried pickling some of them. My daughter and I were eating them raw. I was putting them in everything, stir fries and eggs and everything else. And I tried bell peppers and like, they just, it was a lot different. They did not grow as well. They weren't as big. Like definitely I can see where you're coming from with the bell peppers. Like I, I struggled a lot more with those and with the shishitos and the, the jalapenos. Yeah. It's, it's with the bell pepper, it's about like fertility and, and being on top of staking and then like making sure the conditions are right too. Cause peppers, like they don't like wet feet, but stuff like, you know, jalapeno or shishito, I feel like is a, is a little bit more tolerant, um, where bell peppers will just like, and then to it, like things like sun scold, um, on bell peppers, you know, you can see it immediately. You get this like spot. Um, I had a lot of the, that on my peppers this year, even though it was so, um, kind of like dark and cloudy and rainy, like as soon as we got a sunny day, I think because it was so, you know, cloudy often, like as yeah. soon as we got a super sunny, hot day, they would get a lot of sun scold. So, and those areas tend to rot quicker. Yep, um, I noticed that in the bell peppers I had too, because our weather is pretty similar up here. Lots of rain and then like three flashes of very bright and hot days. Yeah. Um, and then also too, like jalapenos, a lot of people don't realize like you can dry, like drying hot peppers, especially jalapenos. And I do, I love doing smoke dried peppers. Yep. Um, you get a lot of flavor out of them. So I'm going to go over a recipe for that as well, but like making chipotles out of jalapenos or making ancho chilies out of poblanos, like it's a great way to preserve things. They stay, you know, just in a mason jar on your counter. They'll stay good for yep. a couple of years. Um, and they're easy just to chop up and throw in stuff. So. Yeah, they're great for that. Um, I did some lacto fermented hot sauce too with the cayennes and jalapenos kind of played around with some of the fermenting the peppers to make hot sauce. And that was really cool too. Got some interesting flavors out of that. And another just a good way to like use up a lot of the fruit and be able to store it for a lot longer time. Yeah, some of the best hot sauce I ever got was a, a buddy of mine made hot sauce out of lemon drop peppers. And it was Ooh. like, and he, he, he's like a really good grower. So it tasted, it tasted like lemons. It was, that like sounds a, awesome. it was like a lemon. Yeah, it was so good. I went through, he gave me just like a little thing too. And I went through, I think in like two weeks. <laughs> yep. But, I made but a yeah. bunch of hot sauce with the jalapenos and I was, I was pretty happy. I smoked my wife out of the house a little bit when I was cooking them down <laughs> in the vinegar and she was not happy about that, but it came out really good. She would, that was the only hot sauce she would eat until it was gone. And then she was like, now what am I supposed to do? Good. Nice. <laughs> um, and then uh, I think the last thing is some alliums too um like easy ones uh, scallions yep. super easy you can grow them really early really late you can, they stay pretty well in the ground for a long period of time and then garlic like in my opinion garlic's pretty easy to grow um i feel like there's kind of upset it and forget it in a lot of ways yeah yeah as, as long as you have the right conditions and a decent amount of fertility there's really not much you have to do 
and um you get scapes too if you're growing a hard neck variety yep. so you get kind of like a double double crop out of it which is nice um and so that's another thing too is like i always end up with because I, I i mean i grow a tons of garlic i actually had to back off a little bit because i went a little crazy this year but uh i ended up with like probably like 50 pounds of scapes and i'm like i i ended up like giving them away throwing them out because like it's just there's just too many of them so um yeah i wish i had a good like a good scapes recipe or something i could do with them i know people like pickle them and stuff but it's like i said trying to find the time to to deal with them all it's it's like what do i do with 50 pounds of no i would have no idea to do with 50 pounds of scapes (laughs) i my neighbor brought me over a bunch of scapes this year i would do a bunch of them i i haven't tried pickling them that's the first i've heard of that but i could kind of see how that would work yeah i throw them into a lot of random stuff but Garlic is super easy to grow and it's super useful. It's one of those things like I put garlic in almost everything. So I'm about to go bananas on garlic this year. Cause like I put it, like I use probably like four or five cloves like a day. Onions I did this year and those are pretty cool. I like that. I, I feel like I probably didn't do it as well as they could have, but I got edible onions out of it and I thought that was pretty cool. But the scallions for sure were were a really good one those were really easy like you said i kind of threw them in as like a little bit of an afterthought last year and i got quite a bit out of them and they were hearty and didn't need a whole lot to do and they were great like in stir fries and stuff like that yeah that's a great one where people can kind of succession plant it so like every three weeks or four weeks if you want you can kind of do another round of them use the greens use the ball with the at the bottom you know even soups or something like that just cut up some greens throw them on top it's like a little kind of garlic and an extra pop of flavor um and then well so then the other thing would be herbs um which i didn't mention um so things like cilantro dill basil mint um i feel like mint's one of those things like everyone has somewhere in their yard if you have a yard but like no one ever uses it for anything (laughs) right which is wild because you can do quite a bit with it if you play with it the right way we uh i kept it in pots a little bit but like off and away because i didn't want it taking over like everything because i know mint will just like go but I did that. I did basil, thyme, rosemary, tried dill, but it didn't work out super great. Um, but herbs are great and not just for cooking, but just in general. I think this year, my wife and I, we ended up growing out some eucalyptus and some lavender and stuff like that. And so there's just all kinds of stuff you can do with herbs and they, they're not super hard. I remember even I was taught by a friend of mine who was saying like, you can plant your basil and your tomatoes together and there's that like companionship planting so there's like certain things like that that go well together both in the ground and on your plate yeah i've done that uh in gardens for years is kind of doing those together um just just from like a space to um you know standpoint they they work well together especially if you're going to train your tomatoes up and the basil kind of grows around it so it's you know like one's not really going to take over the other as long as you're as you're on you know, on top of training your tomatoes. Um, but yeah, is there any other veggies you can think of that maybe be good to start out with um, for for growing for cooking specifically? Um, for cooking specifically, I mean the big three for me were definitely tomatoes and the peppers and the um, the leaves. Carrots were cool. I tried doing carrots and radishes and did not do great with those potatoes um i kind of did by accident and that turned out pretty well so i'd say potatoes i accidentally sprouted some of my compost 
and uh, transplanted them and it worked. I got potatoes and then I planted out a bunch that I did that I just kind of let sit on top of my fridge for a while. And I ended up getting like five pounds of potatoes out of a little tiny plot this year. So I was like, that's pretty cool. I didn't have to do a whole lot to them. So I'd say probably potatoes are pretty easy depending on where you live. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like growing them, but, um, I think next year I'm going to take them out of my garden just because of the harvesting. And I, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm, I like to try all varieties. So I always do like at least five or something. And then I'm out there like <laughs> with like four rows of potatoes. And I'm like, why am I spending four hours digging all these when I could go to the grocery store and buy them for like three dollars a pound or something <laughs> but, exactly but they are fun especially like the colored varieties fingerling stuff you can't get in the grocery store those are always really good to do um but yeah so maybe we can segue now into doing some like simple cooking techniques and for maybe sure. maybe a couple recipes so yeah, kind of sure. where, where would you kind of start for somebody who's making like um let's just say somebody's making dinner like what what kind of maybe we could eat maybe we could go off of like the stuff we just talked about like and and stick to those kind of things yeah those for sure. type of veggies um like i said the big the big veggies for me both like in the garden but also just that i cook a lot so i have a heavy background in italian cooking i worked at like a pretty fine italian dining restaurant for a while um so those kind of those building blocks really stick out for me. So it's those the tomatoes, your peppers, your garlics. Um, I brought up tomato sauce. Really. Tomato sauce is a great way to like, everybody likes spaghetti and meatballs. Everybody likes spaghetti and sauce and being able to take it and say like, Oh, I made this sauce. It seems like an insurmountable task until you break it down into steps and you realize that like you can make a really solid sauce out of stuff that you grew pretty simply. If you want to take, you know, an hour and a half to do it. If that, I mean, given, given a lot of leeway on time there, but I think tomato sauce is a great one. Um, a super simple one that I've actually have a bunch of it stored is great. You can freeze it. I make pesto with fresh basil and garlic, and you can even throw in, if you want some more nutrient, a little bit more heft to it, you can throw it in with some spinach and you're literally just shredding it in a food processor with olive oil. And you can really, um, you can put that with chicken, you can, Put it, I put it into single serving freezer bags and I can pull it out and make a quick dinner just with that, with pasta or some chicken really easily. And it's got a really nice, fresh taste to it that makes you feel like you're right back in the summer, even if it's in the middle of winter. So those would be some two quick ones that I can think of right off top. Like there would be like a solid dinner. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so like what would be kind of like your, like a, one of your sauce recipes or something like that? So if I was to make like your basic, just standard kind of like marinara pasta sauce, um, when I did it earlier this year, I used probably like four pounds of tomatoes, um, one onion, like six cloves of garlic, and then I would use fresh basil, a little bit of fresh bay, um, oregano. I have wild oregano that I'll sometimes pull and use some of that too. And it's really, once you have those, and then your salt and your pepper. And you can, tomatoes are super easy. You cut an X in them, drop in some boiling water and the skin will start to peel. Ice bath and peel them. And then it's literally just a matter of sitting. You put your tomatoes in a big pot 
hit them with all your spices and all your other vegetables. You just kind of let it sit and cook down and it'll make your house smell delicious. And that's like a super simple one where you can, you can make that with everything you've grown in your garden this season. Yeah. Like that was my big accomplishment for this year. Like I made, I made dinner, I made a sauce with all the stuff that I had grown. And it was like, all right, cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, maybe what are, what are some other like kind of simple dishes that you like, maybe that's like a go-to. So for one that I, when I was having like a lot of stuff come up, especially with the peppers, I had a couple different types of peppers and like some other stuff. I did peas and broccoli too this year. So when I was having a lot of stuff pop up, a really quick go-to meal for us was veggie curry because you can, it's a hodgepodge. You can throw any veggies into veggie curry. And as long as you put coconut milk and chickpeas in it, it's curry. So it would always be the, all right, I've got a bunch of shishito peppers. I've got these tomatoes and some peas and some broccoli. All right, cool. Get a can of chickpeas and some coconut milk, curry powder, a lot of strong seasonings. And boom, put it over rice. You got perfect veggie curry. We eat that probably once a week. Okay. Yeah. Um, I used to do a lot more like curry type stuff lately. I've been getting like, I don't know. It's not lazy, but, um, I've been doing just like, so I saute up peppers and tomatoes and like eggs <laughs> or beef. I mean, you can't beat um, that. That's, that's a go, that's a go-to breakfast. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I even eat that for lunch and dinner too. So dude, I would, if I had chickens, I like, I would, probably save money by having chickens if I could because we eat so many eggs here and I do the same thing I I love eggs doing the eggs the peppers onions tomatoes just a real quick like western scramble delicious I don't care what time of day it is it'll always be delicious nice yeah so um like you're, so you're saying for your pesto recipe like to use a little bit of uh spinach so then you're like uh, I know people have done that or use like arugula um yep. something like that so you're just you're just basically just chopping like just mixing up everything in a food processor. Yeah, pretty much. Like when I made pesto, I had like um, the reusable Hannaford bags full of basil, and I would literally just sit there and stuff basil and garlic and olive oil into my like eight cup food processor and just zip it. I throw in you know you can throw in um a little bit of like um, I threw in some like red pepper flakes for a little extra flavor. But like, yeah, it's, it's that easy and you can just scrape it out of the spatula. I put it, I put it into like freezer bags and I'll just have them stacked. It's a super simple, one of the simplest, like, but most delicious sauces that you can make because it comes back so fast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't make it too much anymore, but, um, I definitely have made a lot in the past. Uh, and then, yeah, you mentioned before, uh, hot sauces, so what, what did you end up doing like with those? What, what was kind of like a basic rundown for, for your recipes? So a, a good one for those, um, I did cayenne last year. I just did like a standard cayenne sauce. Um, but I took the peppers. I, I didn't even bother de-seeding them or anything. I, um, I put them in a plastic bag with a bunch of smashed garlic and lime juice and just kind of like crushed them up a little bit. And I took that mixture and put it into a, a quart jar and just let it sit for a little bit, kind of get the lacto-fermenting action going on because it helps to break down some of the, I remember the whole process, but it helps to just make give it like a more, a different flavor. And then 
once it's kind of hit the spot you like, I put it, cook it down in any kind of vinegar. I used white vinegar um, for mine just because I was trying to go as basic as possible. And then strain it out through cheesecloth if you want a nice thin sauce with no um, seeds in it. Some people like the seeds in it. It kind of depends. There's so many different ways you can go about making hot sauce, though. Um, I've seen some people, you cook it down with butter, but then you can thicken it up a bit more. I did one that I put tomatoes and uh, cilantro and stuff in and tried to give it more of a bit of a Latin flair. It kind of ended up taking, tasting like a spicy taco sauce more than anything, which was cool in its own way, even though it wasn't really what I was intending to make with it. Nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there any other kind of recipes or like stuff you, that you kind of just uh, go to, or maybe even what like the best dish you made this year that you maybe like did something different or, or really, really went all in on? All right. So I definitely, there's a few, I can, I'll, I'll speak to a couple of that. Like a good thing that I, I go in on a lot, um, but I use up a lot of stuff from the garden. Um, I make a lot of broths. I really like making soup. And um, anytime I have like a lot of veggies and I'm trying to figure out what to do and like I have any kind of leftover meat, I'll make bone broth and I'll use like as many veggies as I can in that to really impart a lot of flavor into the broth. So when I transfer that into making soups, you get a lot more flavor out of it. So like I, I make chicken bone broth and I'll put in the onions, the tomatoes, the carrots, whatever herbs I have lying around from the garden and just let that steep all day with the chicken bones and skin and you can get some amazing, super nutritious broth out of that. But then you can, I freeze it in quart jars and I can just pull one of those out, whip up a soup. I made clam chowder the other night. That was delicious. That was a cold, rainy day. Pull out a jar of broth, decided to make some clam chowder. So that would probably be a go-to that I've been doing a lot more with having more veggies and herbs fresh on hand. Um, as far as like a standout thing that I've made with some of like in that, um, I really like to push myself. I really like Asian food, like traditional Asian food. I was experimenting. I made a, made a Korean hot pot for the first time, like thin, thin strip beef that you cook in the broth right at the table. And that was the whole thing because like the family thought it was cool and it was just trying to something pushing your boundaries. What I found is that like, if I have an idea about some kind of food, even if I don't know how to make it, you can usually find a recipe. And as long as you're willing to read that, you can break down those more difficult steaming stuff into like, you'll find that it's pretty, you can get your hands in there and get some, some really interesting results. Yeah. And I think like um, a great place to start is just like sauteing up stuff, you know, yep. just cutting up some onions, you know, cutting up some garlic, start with that with with some butter some olive oil you know let it let it brown a little bit and then start adding in like you know if you're going to do peppers like do those next um yep. and then and then add in like your tomatoes or your softer stuff at the end like your greens that you're going to saute down that you're just going to try and wilt you know simple stuff like that and then just and just making yep. it you know add in over some rice or you know with some pasta or you know yep and then, you know, same thing with like meats too. Like, you know, you don't have to like over, overthink it. I think a lot of people want like a super specific recipe, which I, I'm the type of person will like, I like try to look more at what technique is being used and then, yep. and then go from there. So, and it, it usually works out pretty well. No, um, and that's the thing, like people don't get, usually it will work out well. Like 
it's I'm not gonna say it's pretty hard to mess up cooking, but it it kind of is. Like, I'm a very chaotic cook. I've worked in a hodgepodge of a lot of different restaurants. I've learned a lot of different techniques, and my wife thinks that I'm a little crazy because I don't really measure anything. I just kind of wing stuff a lot. Because you're right, it really does come down to those basic things like sauteing something. Put some, put a fat in the pan, put some onions in it. Let that sit, let that cook, get that smell. Feel that full experience that is that sauteing, that simple onion. Because it, you're going to notice changes in the smell as it cooks. You're going to taste it, you're going to see it, you're going to hear it. Always give it like five minutes before you add that garlic in. Put the garlic in at the same time as the onions, you're going to burn the garlic. And then it's going to throw up your whole flavor palette. That one got beat into my head by an Italian chef because I used to do that a lot. And he'd be mad because all the garlic was burnt in all the dishes. And he'd be like, stop. But it's those little basic building blocks. Like once you understand kind of how flavors and how techniques work together, you can go on into those bigger things. Like you said, you start with your onions and your garlic. All right, you want to do peppers? Cool. That's a great combo. Peppers, onions, garlic. You can now put that with almost any meat, and you're going to have a great dish. Like, you're going to have a dish, and you're going to sit down and be like, damn, that was a good dinner. You put some chicken in that, fantastic. A little bit of pork, great. Put it over rice, noodles. Like It's those little simple things that once, once you take the time to understand why those simple things are as good as they are, you kind of can then see where you can branch off from there as your individual taste take you. So, yeah, is there anything else you want to touch on with that? Um, if not, I thought we could maybe move into more like the, um, like what I was talking about, like more long-term uh, preservation and storage, which, I mean, you already talked about that too, a lot of freezing stuff. But, yeah, is there anything else you want to you wanna touch on first? I would just say to like the previous point you were making, like to anybody out there who's like unsure about cooking for themselves, just try it. Like, just try it. You, there's no harm in trying it out, and you'd be surprised at what you can do. It feels good to try that. It feels good. Like, it feels good to, like, go out on a limb and have it reward you. And I've found that happens almost every time I try to get something new. Yeah. Well, even one thing I'll say, too, like, now that it's fall, you know, if you, if you grew some potatoes or, or a squash or something, maybe, maybe a turnip or whatever, or you went to the farmer's market and got, you know – something some winter squash or something like that you know especially for that stuff it's easy you carrots like just throw your oven on like 375 400 cut it up on on you know a baking sheet or in a pretty shallow casserole dish throw some little olive oil on top with salt and pepper and just stick it in there until it's brown on top you know it's right <laughs> right and there you go you hit it with a little olive oil salt pepper salt pepper garlic and just like taste the food yeah because those simple, those simple foods, I love squash. Like I made sweet potatoes today. I love it because it doesn't take a lot of seasoning and you can really pull out this like deep flavor that like, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how that feels, like how it feels to bring in the harvest and get that fresh food and get how whole that is. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd kind of run down like some of the, like, cause I, I like to do more like preservation stuff. Um, yep. like I said, I've been getting more into, to peppers and, and, you know, fermenting stuff. So, I mean, for me, sauerkraut is a no brainer. Um, it's pretty easy to grow cabbage, even if you have a bunch of like 
problems with like something like cabbage looper um where on broccoli or cauliflower it's going to kind of ruin like the, those heads you know those, yeah. those um like the flower buds on on a cabbage because they're so dense like it's usually the outside that gets damaged so like you all you have to do is strip off those outer leaves and like that inner that inner core is still you know usable um so like i said tw twice a year i make sauerkraut get yourself like a you know if you make beer or wine you already have brew buckets but get yourself like a five gallon six gallon brew bucket just a plastic food grade bucket with a with a lid with a little airlock on it to, uh to let out some you know some air or if you know you got a crock like the nice stone crocks those are great too um but then literally all you're doing is just shredding the cabbage um yeah you know putting it through a food processor or if you don't have one of those just cutting it up into you just basically want like more or less bite-sized pieces or smaller um you don't want so small that you're just like turning it into nothing but um you know just like sauerkraut juice yeah, some yeah. shreds <laughs> But yeah, you know, you don't have to go crazy, you know, do anything fancy to cut it up. And then I do like three tablespoons of canning or pickling salt per five pounds of cabbage. So I just literally put like a um, brew bucket on, on an adjustable scale and I just like put five pounds of cabbage in there. Okay. I can see, you know, the weight went up to five pounds, throw in the salt, mix it with my hand. And I just keep doing that until basically the bucket's full. I mean, you could do as much or little as you want, as far as room, you know, as, as long as it fits into the bucket, you could do, you know, I don't know. You want, if you could fit 25 pounds in there, you could do 25 pounds, get another bucket, keep going. You know, I usually probably do like somewhere around 15 or 20 at a time. Um, and I want to say that gives me, I don't even know how many quart jars, probably like eight to 10, something like that. And that's just off the top of my head, but um, yeah. And then, once you got that cabbage mixed up with the salt, um, you're just letting it sit into, in that bucket until, um, I, I cover it with the lid. Um, but then I go back to it maybe like, um, you know, eight to 12 hours later and just kind of like take my hand and shove all the cabbage down. So you got the liquid covering it. And then, um, I just put like a plate or something to keep the cabbage from coming above the liquid. So it's covered. And then I just seal that bucket up um, and just let it sit for three, four weeks. That's it. You know, it's, it's in a, you want to have the temperature around 65 to 75 degrees. Like I said, yeah, three to four weeks. You can check it every week too. Take the lid off. Just make sure like you're washing your hands before, you know, if you're going to open it up or, you know, if you got any pets or something in the room, just make sure they're out of the room. So they're not getting into it, not getting hair all over the place because your dog's running around your kitchen and shaking and I got here and there or whatever. <laughs> um, and then just like, you know, taste it, take a little bit out and taste it and see how, you know, see how it tastes. Um, and the great thing with sauerkraut too, is like, I just do a basic yep. just cabbage, but I know next, next time I make it, I'm going to start throwing in some other things like some carrots. Um, you can do carrots, radishes, you know, you can throw some other things in there too. Um, it's basically just lacto fermentation. So as long as you have your ratios of basically weight to salt, right, you're not, you're not going to mess it up too bad. Um, and then too, if it's, if it, like after that three or four weeks, if you got a nice flavor, but it's like still too salty for you, um, you know, just pick 40, eat it, just like give it a quick rinse with some, with some water. Um, 
and that knocks a lot of that salt out of there, but you still have a lot of the, you still have the flavor. You still have the, all the good bacteria still pretty much there. It's clinging to those pieces of cabbage. Um, and I'll do that too. Like if I make, um, like basically during the week for lunch, I've been eating just like ground beef and, and sauerkraut maybe with some rice, but it's easy to like, you know, just take, you know, like a couple pounds of ground beef, saute that up with onions and, and maybe some like peppers and, and, uh, you know, and then take some sauerkraut, a bunch of it. I wash it. So it's not like super wicked salty. And I just stick it in, you know, individual containers, throw those in the fridge and I'll do like four days, five days worth. So lunch every day. And like I said, if you want, you can throw some rice in there. Um, I've been trying to cut down on carbs a little bit, so I've been doing, doing no rice this week, but, um, but yeah, and it, it's super easy and you know, it's good for you. I always feel like I feel great after I eat it. So, um, so yeah, it, people, it's so good for you. Like I've been reading a whole lot about that. We've been, my wife and I have been digging deep and like, I mean, we talked a little bit yesterday about the whole food stuff and all that, but the fermented foods are like so good because the probiotics are so helpful and they have so much flavor. That's like a lot of things to like a lot of people are like kind of weirded out for the strong flavor, but I'm right there. Like sauerkraut, it's great. Honestly, like that simple lunch, that's prime eats to me. Like ground beef, little sauteed in there, the sauerkraut, the rice, boom, that's it. Like food doesn't have to be fancy, like to be good, good food. Yeah, exactly. And and the way that I kind of kick it up a notch is um the way like the, the, the spices and the stuff I add, like when I do ground beef, um, well, before I got the sauerkraut thing, like, a, you know, after your crowd, your crocs, like three or four weeks out, you know, it's been fermenting. Like then after that, I pack it into like quart, you know, quart jars. Uh, you can go like bigger or smaller depending on what you have, but just so people know, and then stick that in your fridge. So, you know, after that three or four weeks is up. It's that's, that's really all you're left doing is just kind of portioning it out and putting it in the refrigerator. So the fermentation slows down a little bit. And then, um, you know, it's good for, I mean, it's probably good for a year. I would say you're, you're definitely safe within, you know, yeah. six months. Um, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about eating no sauerkraut six, eight months down the line. I think it's fine. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I do two batches a year. I make it every, like about every six months. Um, that's, that's kind of my target. Um, but yeah, the one thing I, I do like, um, uh, cause I eat a lot of ground beef is, is smoke dried peppers, which like <laughs> that pairs like so well with beef. It gives it a nice smoky flavor depending on the pepper that you're using, you know, you can give it some heat too. Um, and then also your hotter, hotter peppers as well. They have well sometimes like more citrusy, you know, fruity, um, tastes and aromas. So like you can just from the pepper that you use, um, you can definitely change the way something tastes for sure. Um, you oh, know, 100%. I, yeah. So like, you know, it's, it's beef, beef and sauerkraut every day. It sounds kind of boring until like, <laughs> you know, until I can, you realize I, like it's deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I guess like I'll run down my, um, my like recipe for smoke dried peppers. Um, so at the end of the season, and especially because I'm growing for seed, I'm letting a lot of my peppers turn color. So like for a jalapeno, it's going from green to red, um, plebano, same thing, green to red. But, you know, it works with basically any any pepper. You just want to get that that color change. Um, you don't necessarily have to. You could do them green as well. But I've noticed it adds a little bit of sweetness. And then especially for something like a jalapeno, 
or Chipotle, it, it's you know because that chlorophyll and stuff is 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 changing and breaking down to sugars. It, that that the cell walls seem to be a little bit, you know, not as thick either. So they just they just dry better. You know, they don't they don't um, I don't know they they don't get like they're not as watery as long. So you don't yeah. have to spend as, as much time trying to dry them out and you don't really want to cook them either. So keep in mind uh, if you're putting them in like a, a smoker, if you don't have like an electric smoker and you're using something that's, that's like a wood um, you know, wood smoker, that's like pellets or something. And like one of those, like a Traeger grill or something um, you just don't want to have it so hot that you're, you're like cooking the pepper, you know, you're just trying to dry it out. Um, and give it a little bit of smoky flavor. So I use an electric smoker because it's it's easy to dial in temperature. You know, I usually start I started up at like 200 degrees Fahrenheit because um, you know I have a, a little electric uh, thermostat on there. I put in some wood. Um, I don't know. I don't. I haven't gone really crazy with like trying different woods or anything. I just I use mainly like um, I have a ton of beech wood that I've just had beech. for years. Uh, just because I've had it, and so that's what I use. Um, and I mean, then I just solid. Like that's a good flavor. I know any of the hardwoods are really going to give you like a solid flavor. Hickory is always a super common one. Uh, I personally, and this is now this is like on a meat tip as well. I really like any kind of fruity wood, like the cherry wood, your apple yep, wood, even apple, the yeah. wood is mad nice for that. It can give a really nice flavor in the smoke. I'm real partial to cherry wood myself, but that that's not necessarily like a wood that's like gonna be like super easy to come by if you're just trying to go with what you've got. Um, I have a lot more experience smoking meat than peppers, so it's kind of here to like it's cool to hear like the whole vibe behind that and like how you're doing that because like smoke smoky peppers are such that's such a cool flavor like to play with. You can do a lot with that that smoky pepper and where depending on where in the life cycle the pepper is like you're saying it's going to impart those different notes and flavor and it's like that those different little bits are what adds layers of complexity that can take like a good meal and turn it into a great meal yeah yeah exactly like and and it's, and it's a cool thing to experiment with because i've i've i basically just take every all the peppers i have at the end of the season and just throw them in the smoker and then, you know, whatever. And then I just try stuff and, and figure out, you know, what, what tastes the best. Um, you know, and I've done like smoke dried chilies and cayennes, uh, Thai chilies. I've done like Nepalese peppers. I've done like bell peppers, banana peppers. Like, you know, I, I've noticed too, like the best varieties though, are definitely like the South American um yep. mexican varieties that have already are like they if they if it has a name for if it's smoke dried <laughs> like yeah it's gonna be awesome that's you know that's why like chipotles and the anchos um you know are used in in so many dishes uh stuff like that but but yeah um i mean even habaneros too uh if a habanero is a little bit too hot for you you know try try smoke drying it and then um after it's smoke dried you can like rehydrate it in in a liquid um and then yep. you know you put that and then take even just that liquid and put it into a dish you know and then maybe chop up that pepper super fine um and you don't have to even use the whole thing um and then i'll kind of distribute the heat a little bit more so you're not yep. getting like a chunk of like fresh like, pepper you know what i mean like and it's you, not like it's not like molten lava in that one spot but just yeah. kind of spreads it out no i use um yeah 
that they use a lot of dried pepper in Asian cooking when you're doing a lot of the like noodles with broth and stuff. So I have I keep um like dried Vietnamese hot peppers in my spice cabinet. And I'll throw a couple of those and just like you were saying, just into the pot of water. You can pull some of that heat out, rehydrate the pepper for a little extra flavor in there, but then you can add that right into like a beef dish and now you've got like hot spicy soup. Yeah. And like there's and you can play with those flavors and maybe add like add a little miso in with it so you get like a spicy miso and you can play with those pepper flavors to like add to it. It's it's super cool. Like another thing, like on that tip, like you can do all these things at home, but like look into other cultures to see how they've used ingredients and really show you how you can use your own ingredients on like a whole different level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let me finish the, uh, before I, before I get too off track. Um, but yeah, so, uh, back to like just the process, um, yeah. of the smoke and the pepper. So yeah, I start, I start the smoker at 200, uh, 200 degrees, throw in some wood. And then once it starts to smoke, I, I turn it down. Cause like I said before, you don't want to, you want to cook them. Um, I, and I turn it down to like somewhere around 140, 150. Um, and like I said, that, that lets it, you know, you, you're just trying to give like a little kiss of smoke and, and get the pepper dry. And it usually takes about 24 to 48 hours to fully dry them, depending on the size of the pepper and how many you have in there. Um, but yeah, just check them, just check them like twice, twice a day. Um, you don't really need to t- check them more than that. Um, and you also don't want to dry them until they're like brittle and like you bend them and they like just break and shatter. You want them to be kind of just a little bit of flexibility to them. Um, they're just easier to work with that way. Uh, if they do get a little over dry, it's okay. But just like if, if you're going to cut them up or, or something like that, it's nice to have them to be a little bit more pliable. And then, yeah, just put them in mason jars. But that's what I was saying before. Like if, if you want, you know, you could use them. You could use them just straight dry, um, cut them up beforehand. Uh, a lot of times, though, like I said, I like to like rehydrate them. So I'll do like broths, even water, or like a thing I actually do a lot is like I'll have like leftover coffee grounds when I have coffee in the morning, and I'll just like th- throw some water in my because I use a French press, throw some water back in there, and just pour that that liquid into like a, a dish and like rehydrate my peppers in that and then chop them up and throw them back into that and then just throw that whole thing in um with some beef and it gives it like you get like a it's i want to say it's like almost like chocolatey it's like a yeah. yep yeah it's like it a is. roasty it's kind of yep, like exactly. yeah it's, it's like kind of like a kind of flavor isn't it yeah yeah i want to say it's like kind of a bootleg mole type sauce but no that's it's like exactly what it is i yeah. use i use coffee grounds and so and fresh ground coffee in a lot of like lot of recipes like what people don't expect it's it is it kind of adds like that those flavors play together so well to almost give it it's like it's the the, like the boldness of the coffee itself and then the the heat of the pepper it's it's literally like you said it's perfect it's that like bootleg mole where you're kind of getting the dark and sweet with the like floral and spicy and when you bring those together you get this like really cool palette that really just it, it really imbibes a lot of that like latin american food yeah yeah, my brother-in-law also, uh, he taught me how to make uh, red-eye gravy, which is basically just, you know, like a little bit of coffee, um, saute some like onions, and then you throw in like a ham bone and just cover yep. that and let it simmer. But I, I, a lot of times, like, you know, I eat steak, so I'll, I'll instead of a ham bone, I'll have like 
bones from like t-bone steak and i'll just do that with the with the steak instead and uh yeah you can just throw that on whatever I'll, I'll make it with eggs or you know put it on some rice with some sauteed veggies and you got yourself a little you know a little sauce so yeah just stuff like that yeah honestly that sounds delicious i'm gonna have to like try that now <laughs> that sounds lit <laughs> I love, I love doing weird stuff with food. Like my wife is a little, has been a leery of some things that I've done sometimes. I just started not telling her until after she's tried it. Cause I love doing stuff like that. Like people would think like, oh, you can't put coffee in this stuff. Like your coffee, you can't grind coffee beans, put them on a steak and like, have it be good. You can't, you just yeah. have to know like how to work those flavors. And honestly, again, it's like, like I said, like going back to other cultures, like when you look at like indigenous cultures or like, in Latin America and how they were using the food that they had around them. they were using the cacao, they were using like the things that grew naturally around them. And we have these flavor palettes that have built up over time that come from that. And we can look at that and go, okay, cool. I can say this kind of flavor palette that was originated over here in this section of the world. And that sounds like we go really well with this one from like over here on this complete opposite side. So like, I mean, I guess, I guess that's what fusion cuisine is or whatever, but I love experimenting with that and trying to find the different things that you can do, especially when it's for me, if I can reuse something and like get another, another meal out of it, get another dish out of it. Like that, that feels better to me, especially if I can make it be something like delicious and unique. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know if people would like what I eat, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't like the coffee thing is like, yeah, it's a little odd, but, uh, I don't know. I think it tastes good. Like I said, it's, it's just brewed coffee and you just use it as, as a base for a sauce. So it's not like, you know, I don't know. I don't think it's that, that odd, but. Uh, honestly, I'm, my mind's whirling right now. I'm going to now figure out how to use brewed coffee in like a gravy or something <laughs> this week. And I'm going to be like, have to like, yo, put it on the Instagram page and be like, focus gave me this idea. We make it we make coffee ground gravy. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Have you ever heard of red egg gravy before? I hadn't. Okay. Like, okay. It's I a Southern thing. That's so, that's, that's super cool. Um, is, so is there any, any other, uh, topics or recipes that you want to talk about? I mean, I could sit here and talk about like most topics on food forever, uh, in the spirit of fall and harvest and everything, I would say like, go to, people should go out to the, go to your farmer's markets, buy some stuff you've never eaten before. Go up to the, go to the vegetable guy and be like, find the thing you haven't eaten before and like find a way to use that in your dinner this week. Like you will not regret that. Yeah. Talk to the farmer there because if they grow it, they probably have used it themselves and can point yep. you at least in the right direction. If not give you a recipe for it. When I was doing CSA farming, I literally, and I still do, I have a whole list of like 50 recipes that were easy enough for like anyone to do it at, at home. And, you know, we would put them in our newsletter every week. So those resources are out there, especially now, like the foodie thing is still, you know, still really popular and getting more popular. So it, it shouldn't be too difficult to, uh, to find some oh, resources. Absolutely not. And like at the end of the day, like, I think for a lot, a big thing that a lot of people fail to understand because this, the way that our society talks about it, like do your research on the food that you're buying. Don't just like buy food blindly. And it's another reason why I love going to farmer's markets and getting to know the farmers that I'm buying my food from, because then I get to know the person who is providing that, like who's producing that food for me. I can put a face to the food 
And I so far have yet to find a better quality ingredient in a grocery store than the, I can get from the guy himself. And I think on a lot of levels, that's something that we need to, as a whole in our society, come back to because we've really kind of lost what food is in a lot of ways. It's like when you go to the supermarket, like there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff on the shelves, but it's not all food. In fact, most of it is not food. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> most of it is not. And like, that's that for me, that skews me out. And that's something that I have become more skewed out about recently as I've really started to research it more. I mean, being a parent has done that to me, but I really think it's important that people like have a, a personal connection to their food. Like food is a necessity, but it's also an experience. And like, we should cherish that piece of it and like try to make that experience as good as possible as we can for ourselves. Like, even if it's just, you know, like you were saying, you like your ground beef and your sauerkraut, like, but that's what you like. And it gives you that, it fills you, it nourishes you and you feel that. I think a lot more people need to like, need to bring that back into their lives, that kind of like communion of food because we've kind of lost that. It's just kind of, it's just something that it's fuel. It's the whole, the body is a machine kind of ide ideology that has just made food into fuel. And it's so much more than that. Yeah. I think too, there's also a lot of people who are like, um, eating this food makes me feel good, like as an immediate gratification instead of, you know, thinking past that you know, the McDonald's tastes great, um, because it's super addictive and, but it's also hey. horrible for you. So yeah, it's, maybe you <laughs> shouldn't eat it. <laughs> McDonald's so. tastes great in the same way that like heroin feels good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It probably <laughs> like, shouldn't even give them any, like no brand recognition whatsoever on this show, but, but yeah, um, it's but yeah. like, that's, it's it, there's a lot of truth to that people eat it because they're like oh it makes me feel good but like if you take the step back and you make the mindset to choose okay i'm not going to eat that anymore you'll find that your body really quickly no longer finds that feeling good and that when you eat whole foods your body has that same this feels good to me like i had that experience i mean my wife and i we cut out like all processed foods and like seed oils and all that other stuff and just really focusing on like good whole raw nutrition and like i've never felt better in my life like don't get me wrong yeah i'm still gonna like bake apple crisp because it's fall and yeah, I'm gonna, still, we're yeah. gonna eat the whole thing in 24 hours but like i know the ingredients in that like i feel i know what's in them i know where they came from i know the orchard the apples came from i know i feel like that for me like that that feeling of knowing this is good food replaces that kind of like, Oh, this just feels good. And it tastes good. I think that we've just gotten kind of those brands push a very easy answer. Like here's it's fast, quick, easy. And it makes you feel good. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, have it, having that little treat once in a while is fine. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to kill you. It's, it's doing it all the time. And, and especially like, like you are saying, it's, there's a difference between, you know, you making it from, majority you know locally grown stuff from people you know maybe using a little bit of sugar but it's you know it's right. not high fructose corn syrup and it's not like a bunch of 
you know, processed stuff that's going in there and right. additives and colors and, you it's know. It's not red dye 40 and yellow five. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Some other petroleum byproduct or whatever that yeah. shouldn't even really be on the floor, right? Yeah. And, and there's also the satisfaction that comes from knowing you made that. Yeah. There's that sense of like, yeah, I might be impatient waiting while the apple crisp cooks in the oven. But like when I eat that, not only am I saying, oh, this is sugary and good. Also, I'm getting to enjoy my work. Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge thing for me. It's, it's why I've really grown to love gardening. And like, that's like, that's what I want to do for my life now. It's like, yo, I can, not only can I make this plate, I can make the things that make up on this, that make up this plate. And like that to me, I mean, that's, that's a high end of itself right there. Being able to like take this seed and these seeds and grow it into these things and then turn around and take those things and hand it, put it on a plate and hand it to somebody and see their face go, mm-hmm. bro, that's it right there. That's it for me right there. That's the feeling. Nice. Well, I think that's, that's a good place to, uh, to wrap this up. Um, but before we go, <clears throat> I always ask people two quick questions. Um, the first is like, what's your favorite tool or piece of equipment? And that could be either in the garden or in the kitchen. All right. So it's a toss up. It's a toss up between two. I would say my chef knife. I have I have a Dalston chef knife that I've had for like a couple of years and it's a workhorse, holds an edge like nothing. I love that knife. I can do so many things with it. And cast iron skillet. Like Dutch oven. Probably about four inches deep, twelve inches wide. Those those would be the desert island equipment right there. All right. Nice, nice. And then um what's one word of advice or piece of wisdom? Treat eating food as an experience. It's not just something you do. It's not just, you're not just putting gas in the car. Appreciate the food that you eat. Appreciate what you put into your body. And try something new. That's it, try something new. Nice. All right, well, it was good talking with you, Andrew. Uh, Do you want to drop any of your plugs where people can find you? yeah like no this has been great um you can find me on uh, ig um you can check out what i cook at dungeon valley kitchen and if you want to see things that i grow food weed, whatever uh it's dungeon underscore valley underscore cannabis on ig so you can check that out but yeah it was great talking with you man i had a lot of fun well, that's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Andrew for coming on. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Focus Seeds or check out my website, focusseeds.com. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-A-S. Happy growing. Peace.